Empower Radio presents The Dr. Julie Show, All Things Connected. Break through the illusion of separation, explore the infinite field of possibility, and make connections that inspire. Now, here's your host, Dr. Julie Kroll. Hello and welcome everyone. You're listening to The Dr. Julie Show, All Things Connected. Each week we gather right here to make connections that break through that illusion of separation. And for centuries, the gender divide of separation between sexes has been prolific in our culture. But times are changing. The sexual harassment allegations against film giant Harvey Weinstein sparked an online movement in which women used hashtag MeToo on social media to express solidarity for the pervasive issue of sexual harassment and abuse. It also took the lid off of decades of secrecy and oppression in the workplace. The stories women are telling are not new. And as we are seeing, they are invasive in many high profile industries such as entertainment, media, politics, and sports. But what about the low-profile stories? What about the women who don't have the power to tell their stories or to get help? I'm glad you're joining us for this important conversation. It's also an incredible opportunity for us to come together and heal and heal this division, this wound of separation that divides the sexes at times. I invite you to take a few deep breaths. Bring your awareness into this moment. Open your mind and heart and settle into your essential wholeness. As I welcome my guest, I'm not going to introduce her. I'm just going to welcome her, my daughter, Quincy. Welcome, Quincy. Thank you. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. I usually read our guest bio right now, and I've had you on the show before, so people know Mm -hmm. of you, but I'm going to encourage them to go to the website and look up your bio. But this is a mother-daughter show. This is a conversation between a mother and a daughter, not between a bio and a bio. So I just wanted to bring you on as my darling daughter, a millennial, a professional in the workplace, actually a professional in that entertainment industry we're talking about. And welcome, Quincy. Thank you. Wow. Where do we start with this conversation? You know, it's such a big conversation. It's an important conversation. And I have so many notes of things that Mm. I want to, you know, bring into this conversation, whether we're we're looking at power and intimacy and the the balance of masculine, feminine and, and all these things. But let's start right at the beginning with this Me Too. I'd love to hear maybe some of your reflections on this hashtag me too campaign. As soon as the Weinstein story broke, I texted you and said, wow, you guys got to look at this. This is, this is big and this is important. And I'm just, I'm just Mm. wondering what that, what that's been like for you and and how you've been feeling, what you've been reflecting on anything moving in your world. There's a lot um, moving in my world. And even with this, Topic. There's a lot of different layers, but I guess starting with the, the Me Too campaign, um, I think that was such a valuable opportunity to unite with other women. Um, I can tell you from my experience, uh, where do I begin? So uh, I guess mm-hmm. I'm a little overwhelmed 
by all of the allegations coming out with all of the actors and even with um, Charlie Rose on CBS, the longtime anchor, and all of these people actually, I find it overwhelming and amazing that it is being valued, women coming forth, and um, these people are losing their jobs. <laughs> and, yeah. and, you know, we've seen before in the sports arena that, you know, someone beats uh, his girlfriend, his wife, and, you know, gets some time off or whatever, but it's, it's um, more like, oh, you know, it's, it's not really looked at. They continue to play, you know, they, they keep their jobs. So I think it's really a turn of the times where we're seeing um, the actual consequences of it. And through my experience, of course, not a, I was terrible that I even say of course, but I have experienced um, assault, you know, sexual assault in different ways, being in the service industry, whatever. But my, I, I think what's most interesting and what I was telling you before is this feeling of shame and guilt and not wanting people to know about it. Um, so I, I didn't post for me too. And I just think that that's even interesting within itself. You know, I feel like maybe, you know, I've healed myself. I don't need to get anything out of it. You know, it's, it's in the past. And so it's not something that I've really, you know, the people in my life know about it. Um, so it's not necessary to stir it up, but I was, totally overwhelmed by the amount of friends that posted on Facebook, um, hashtag me too. So yeah. go ahead. So I'm going to just, yeah, I just want to jump in there because I think just right there is an important story for many, many women, because if you felt as if you couldn't join in the hashtag me too, how many more women did not join in that, you know, mm -hmm. watched it and witnessed it unfolding before our very eyes. The other part is, is that I think there's this, um, I'm going to call it the new age spiritual bypass mentality again, because there are so many who have said, you know, I've healed. I don't need to, just like you were talking, it's like, do I need to bring it back up? Do I need to make it mm -hmm. be about me? Or I've already dealt with it. So why? It's not my story. I don't have to, you know, it doesn't define mm -hmm. who I am and I don't have to go there. And so there's so many that maybe um, even, this is a sad part. I was just watching an interview earlier that how many people, even women, have turned the other way and looked the other way because of it's not my story or I've already done my healing or I don't want to do my healing. And so mm -hmm. we've watched it and we've witnessed it. And so you're right. We're at a turning point and this is, this is a pivotal time. More women are coming forward in solidarity and, and support. And yet look how many still choose not to because of this thing called shame or that, or that, mm. like I said, spiritual bypassing. What do you think yours was? More of the shame, like, oh, we can't talk about it? Or, I know yeah. for me. Go ahead. Um, 
I guess it's a lot of like image, I think, um, how people view me a certain way. And I feel like if I would put hashtag me too, people would be surprised and maybe, um, you know, hurt, you know, or hurt that I went through that. And so I keep it to myself because but actually, this is really interesting. So, like, even in the act, you know, even after being harassed, it's, well, I, I keep that to myself because I don't want to hurt anybody else. <laughs> I don't want to, um, I guess it's a way of protecting the other people around me, which is crazy. Like, if I, you know, why, why not protect myself? But in, I guess in this instance of the hashtag me too, um, it was kind of protecting that it's protecting the self that people see me as like yeah. someone, you know, you know, I think of like, even you, my mom, it's like, you're my little girl, you know, my dad. I don't mean, I don't think my dad, you know, knows about anything, but if he knew, you know, it would just break his heart or, you know, my family members and, um, I guess that's how I, you know, I, I think, but then as I'm talking this out loud, I'm thinking I want to protect my younger cousin. So if, if I would speak out, like, just so they know that they can have a voice too, and to have the voice before it even happens, because mm-hmm. I think that's in the act of it, you, I mean, it's just completely surprising and you don't necessarily have a voice to say no, this is not okay. You know, I was, I was reflecting on this topic before and I always think, oh wait, did did he really mean that? Or is he joking? Is this real? Did this really happen? And so it's always like a reflection of me. Like, well, you know, maybe I said something wrong or maybe I did something wrong or like, oh, he's just joking. But even like writing it off as a joke is still not okay. Um, We're minimizing it then. Yeah, yeah, definitely minimizing it. And we also, I think, yeah, being the nice girl. um, I'm, I'm, I just want to bring you back to that image thing and, and not telling because we want to protect others, but also maintain this image because I, I fell into that same, um, that same idea of protecting an image. You know, I'm the psychotherapist I'm the strong Mm -hmm. one I'm the put together one I'm the healthy one and people look to me for healing and for counsel and and for a very long time I I was the same way like had this image of strength and it's it's false right it's false to believe that that if I disclose I'm weak, <laughs> but mm-hmm. I, that, that's how crazy inside our minds it gets. It's like this, this illusion of somehow I caused it. Somehow it's my fault. Somehow I'm a weaker person if it happened to me. And I'll tell you, even my naivete, I'm going to tell a, a, another story. If you don't mind, Quincy, mm-hmm. I was thinking about this in that as a young mom, when I was much younger than you and in my first two professional jobs, I had already had a whole history of sexual, you know what, I'm going to just pause for a second and, and 
just acknowledge the definition of sexual assault because by many people's standards, they'll minimize and go, oh, no, that didn't happen to me because I wasn't sexually assaulted. But right now, it's it's this loaded term that means so many different things in, in many different contexts. It's it's really people are using it for non-consexual, consensual, non-consensual sexual contact. And so it, it could be could mean a lot of things and that making us feel uncomfortable. But I had had, so I'm going back to my story, I had 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 a history of sexual assault. And so I had dealt with it. I've healed it. I, you know, I was strong. I, I, I did what I needed to do. And then I show up on my first two jobs. And um, my first one, my boss was incredibly inappropriate and made me feel incredibly vulnerable and uncomfortable and and icky. And then part of my mind goes in my naivete, oh, this is my training to be a good psychotherapist. I have to be strong. I have to deal with counter-transference and transference and look at my own stuff. And this is a part of, of my job, right? Which now I look back and go, oh my gosh, that was so inappropriate and not okay. Then in my second job, um, there was so much physical and emotional abuse going on. My angry boss would just throw temper tantrums. And I remember leaving that job, um, resigning and moving on to do some other things. And the vice president of human resources asked me, if I would file a claim against this person. Um, they asked me because they really knew it was a big problem. And she looked at me and she goes, Julie, that's sexual harassment. Like you have been sexually harassed. And I just looked at her like, are you kidding? I've been through so much more than that. This was nothing. So there's that also that minimizing, just like you were saying, like, oh, mm. did he really mean it? It was just a joke. It was no big deal. I've gone through a lot worse than that. It's not that big of a deal, but that's part of the silence and the secrecy that we continue to hold on to as women. Yeah. You know, as um, I think that's a huge part of it too. Um, in my experience, even, you know, say I'm with a director or, you know, someone in the, I'm just thinking of the film festival that I was in in Colorado and the men, older men, you know, making comments and I, you know, didn't say anything. They're all, you know, directors. They're all, I mean, it could be a cost of a job. Like I got to be nice. I got to be, um, what's the word? Um, like easy to get along with, which I, I am easy to get along with. And I sometimes think like, oh, is, you know, it's not the reason why men make these disgusting comments. Because <laughs> it's just like, you know, I just, but I think it's, that's not why. It's like me having the respect for myself. And no matter, you know, if it costs a job or not, it's really, if you stand the ground and, and put up the boundaries, I believe it'll follow. It's just, I'm not very good at, uh, I've never really had the chance to do that, you know, as like living in Nebraska, but definitely in the bigger cities, it's like learning how to stand your ground and create your boundaries. Hmm. It's hard. 
it is hard. I, I remember reading the op-ed of um, the one young actress. I can't remember her name. She's an Academy Award winner, I believe. And she's, she said no to Harvey Weinstein. Like she was uncomfortable and, and she told her whole story of just like you, like going to a film festival and then making those comments and her going, okay, this is just this weird and, you know, it's okay. But finally setting boundaries and then just saying, I'll never do a film with him. And it was like, wow, what strength for, for a woman in that industry to say, you know, if, if work doesn't come in, that's fine, but I will not do a film with him. And that's, that's the empowerment that I would love to help facilitate for all women. <laughs> you know, we were mm. talking about low profile. It's like, this is time to give ourselves permission to talk about it. And it doesn't matter what situation that is. If, if you're buying groceries in a grocery store or you're in your, your own workplace or you're in your home, wherever that's at, even online, it's happening. And so it's time, just like you say, finding that respect for yourself and give permission to talk about it. Have you given yourself permission to mm -hmm. talk about it yet? Yeah. Uh, you mean like the Me Too case? Yeah. Yeah. With your friends, with others, have you have you talked about it, or are you just coming on the radio for the first time saying, "Okay, I'll talk about it, mom"? <laughs> um, well, I've definitely talked about like all the allegations coming out, but I've never talked about my personal experience with others. But I don't know. Yeah, I mean, is that not bypassing? I don't know, but I just don't really feel that it's. I think it's relevant to create solutions um, and talk about yes. solutions and the you know, way we make, you know, of course, like, especially here in the city, you know, you get cat calls, you get like disgusting <laughs> people like hollering stuff at you. Um, but I don't know. I don't, I think I've given myself permission. I mean, yeah, I'm on the radio right now giving myself. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Who do we not want to listen to this show today? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, no, yeah. you know, no, I, I, think I, I feel pretty open about all of that for sure. I don't feel like there's anything I'm hiding in that, in that aspect. And I would love yeah. for, you know, anyone to listen to this and feel, you know, get them to think. I think that's all about, it's just all kind of waking up and seeing how things are, that it doesn't have to continue. You know, we've gotten so used to it, that it doesn't, it doesn't have to continue like this. Yeah. We've gotten used to it. I was, I, that we've been conditioned to accept it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I wrote down a few quotes from Melinda Gates because she had a, a beautiful article that, that she wrote about this Me Too piece. And, and I really appreciate several of her comments. I'll, I'll read a quote later. But she talks about how literally we've been, you know, people are saying now it's things have just changed and what's acceptable has changed, um, referring to some of the powerful men who are going, oh, gosh, it's always been this way. It's, you know, what's the big mm -hmm. deal? And she said, you know, you're missing the point entirely here. This discrimination, harassment, and rape have really never been acceptable. They've just been accepted. She goes into that conditioning of our culture. And so I hope now, um, 
you know, it's, it's not about telling our stories to say, poor me. It's about what do you do if you are a server in a restaurant and the guys at the two guys at the table hit on you? Is it okay for you to say, Hey, you know, what would you, what would you do in that case? What, what can you do that's different than what you've always done? I imagine sweet Quincy smiling, biting, clenching her teeth a little bit and wanting to please or be happy or ignore it or whatever. But what, what do you do in a situation like that? Well, with my personality and working in the service industry, um, most of the time, like, you know, a, hitting on a woman, you, you know, like flirting with them is not, is not, um, I don't know. It, it, when that happens, like there's nothing to really be concerned of. You just joke it off or, you know, I'm usually just joking with them. Like, yeah, okay. Yeah. Right. You know? Um, and just kind of play it off. And I'm not, I don't show any interest of like, Oh, you know, he's flirting with me. But, you know, I haven't really, that's a tough thing too, because you're at work, you know, and a man makes a weird comment. Um, most of the time at work, you just got to walk away because it's like, I mean, if it's something that really makes you uncomfortable, I would go to my manager and, and tell them what's going on, probably, you know, switch servers. Just, but at that point, I don't, I don't. I don't know. Like, what else do you do? Um, yeah. 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 And there's, there's a difference between that, that flirting. This is a good point because, you know, we're out in social situations, we flirt, but at work, um, you know, what's coming out is, is the bosses, the power, the, you know, it's a little bit different. We're going to invite a man on in a couple of weeks and do part two to this and look at the man's perspective and also that service industry of how we've just accepted that kind mm-hmm. of um, inappropriate boundaries or inappropriate language, that kind of thing. But um, yeah, I, I think it's important that we develop the tools to speak our truth, to find our voice, to take a stand. And women really don't have that toolbox full yet. I think when you said, this Me Too was a valuable opportunity to unite. It's also a valuable opportunity for us to start talking about the next steps, start talking about the healing, start talking about how can we be a part of the solution. And I love that you said, if telling my story is is a way to create a solution, then it's very different than just being a part of the problem. Mm, yeah. You know, I actually, I thought of a, a great story. I was coming home late from work one night um, in New York City waiting for the, the train. And at this point, like, I was, I, had, I was in this place where I had just had it with the disrespect in my restaurant and that I have to, you know, put a smile on my face because I'm the server and I'm serving you. So I have to smile. <laughs> you know, like, that's, that's just crazy. Yeah. So I was just like, I totally was done. I had had it. I was in this really poor mood and I was waiting for um, a train to come. And there's this um, girl sitting next to me. And I had noticed that there was 
um, a man that was kind of like looking over her shoulder um, a couple seats over, just kind of like looking over in her direction, being like really weird. And then he moves over and sits really close to her, really next to her, and like starts leaning over her shoulder again and being really inappropriate. And he was, you know, completely drunk. And this girl is like, dude, like, what are you, what are you doing? You know, just kind of like weirded out. And I couldn't tell. I mean, I could tell after a little while that he clearly was not with her. But I was trying to, you know, assess the situation. And But she didn't really say anything. She was just kind of like, I feel like, I'm sure, like this man, this drunk man is like breathing down her neck. And like, what do you, what do you do? And I, at that point, like I had stood up for that girl. Like, I wish I could stand up. I mean, I think if that situation happened to me, I would totally do that for myself. But I was like, excuse me, sir. You know, you know, like, yeah. <laughs> I was like, you need to please move over. And I was like, so forced. I'm so proud of myself. It was so forceful, but I used please. <laughs> so I was like, <laughs> like, please move over. And he's like, no, nothing. It's all fine. It's all fine. It's like, Cause, oh, before that, I'd asked her if, if she knew him, you know, just to make sure that, you know, are they friends? Are they, you know, whatever. She didn't know him. And, and he was just being you know, like, oh, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, please, you need to move over and give her space. And I repeated it like probably three or four times. And he like finally moved over. I was like, oh, victory. Yes. <laughs> like <laughs> nobody needs to be treated like that. This is so, oh, that was so disturbing. That's a great story. Good job, Quincy. That's a great story. Yeah. You know what, we're going to take a, a break, and when we come back, I, I want to talk so much more about this and um, share a quote, share some resources, how can we heal individually, how can we heal as a culture, as a society, and so much more. I'm Dr. Julie Kroll. You're listening to The Dr. Julie Show, All Things Connected. We'll be right back. channel non-stop meditation music 24 hours a day in the new empower radio app music to empower your meditation help you relax sleep or provide a calm background while you work the empower meditation channel is interruption free listen now with the empower radio app free in the app store or listen online at empower.fm soothe your soul calm your mind the empower meditation channel this is Namdi Asamoah. I play football for the Philadelphia Eagles, but what I do off the field with United Way might be more important. I'm a volunteer tutor and mentor. Why? Because over a million kids a year drop out of school, and that's not okay. It takes 12 years to create a graduate, but it takes about the same time to create a dropout. And the difference between a child becoming one or the other could be me, or it could be you. Studies show that if we get to these kids earlier, their chances are better. And kids who read well by third grade are more likely to graduate. So join me in United Way. Suit up and take the pledge. Become a volunteer reader, tutor, or mentor. Because when a child succeeds, we all succeed. Give. Advocate. Volunteer. Live United. Take the pledge at unitedway.org. 
Brought to you by United Way, the Ad Council, and the National Football League. Hi, I'm Kelly Clarkson, and I've toured the country dozens of times, and there's one thing every state has in common. Childhood hunger. The sad truth is that 17 million kids don't know where their next meal is coming from, or if it's even coming at all. Yet there are billions of pounds of surplus food around the country at farms and warehouses that could help end this injustice. But all that food is useless if it doesn't get where it needs to go. That's why the Feeding America nationwide network of food banks gathers surplus food and gets it to hungry kids before it goes to waste. But they can't do it without your help. Join me in supporting Feeding America and your local food bank. Find out how at feedingamerica.org. Together we can solve hunger. Together we're Feeding America. To help solve hunger in your community and to find your local food bank, visit feedingamerica.org. That's feedingamerica.org. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. Me, a cat, moving in with a new human. It took a little getting used to. She has these weird games she likes to play, like this giant feather. She sticks it in my face. I swat it away. She sticks it in my face. I swat it away. It's almost like she thinks I enjoy it. But seeing how much fun she gets out of it, well, I guess it makes it all worth it. Humans. A person is the best thing to happen to a shelter pet. Be that person. Adopt. Brought to you by the Ad Council and the ShelterPetProject.org. You found Empower Radio. It's like sunshine for your soul. Now, back to the Dr. Julie Show. All things connected on Empower Radio. Welcome back. Hey, if you're inspired by our conversation today, I invite you to share it with others and maybe even listen to it again and again and again. Please visit our website at thedrjulieshow.com where you'll find the archive links as well as a listing of upcoming guests. Again, that's thedrjulieshow.com. Also stay connected all week on our Facebook page, All Things Connected with Dr. Julie, where we continue the conversation. I am here with my daughter. We're having a mother-daughter chat today about this Me Too campaign and what's happening in our culture and what's what's happening, what's this opportunity for healing and, and like we had said, uniting. And... Um, Quincy is not, um, well, she knows this about me, but the listeners might not. So I'm going to say this. I'm a new grandma. And Quincy, mm-hmm. the I have been waking, like my granddaughter's two weeks old. Um, she was two weeks old. Just, I've been waking to this sense of responsibility, this intergenerational ancestral link. And it's been quite interesting, really multidimensional kind of feeling that I'm having. But with all of this happening, it really drew me into wanting to be able to say the right things, to teach, to mentor, to model a new way of being. And um, this issue of sexual harassment and this masculine feminine wound that we've had, it was at the top of my list. And I'm really looking forward to continuing to really dig into my responsibility. And so I'm going to start with this quote, Quincy, from Melinda Gates, because I think it's important. And then I'd, I'd love to hear your feedback on this. We can talk about women in leadership and women in power and, and really balancing our masculine and feminine here. So Melinda wrote, In every country and every continent, we have been taught that being born female comes with a cost. 
that if we are victims of harassment or discrimination or violence, it's somehow our fault. It's the price we pay for daring to have ambition, to seek a job, to express an opinion, to assert our inalienable right to decide who we will have access, who will have access to our bodies. But those who try to normalize this kind of inequality often forget that its costs are paid not only by women, but by all of us. How many great thinkers, leaders, innovators, entertainers, disruptors have we all missed out on because the doors to these industries have been guarded by abusive men? Mm, goosebumps, isn't that powerful? Wow. I love that quote. Wow. Yeah, I still have goosebumps. I'm thinking about just that last sentence of of how many great thinkers, leaders, innovators, entertainers, and disruptors have we missed out on. We're talking about women and really balancing our power now and balancing that feminine and masculine power. And Mm -hmm. I don't know, has, has being a woman ever stopped you from taking a leadership position or a position of power in any way? Um, taking a position of power, I do, I don't know, that's a really good question. I mean, I'm not really, you know, in my field, I get cast as, like, I'm a woman, so I get cast as a woman, <laughs> so it's not yeah. really um, anything in that sense. However, you know, because of the way the industry is sometimes, it's very disenchanting and so you know I actually relate to I've thought about you know quitting not being an actor anymore not being you know participating in the industry um and for whatever reason it's like I know that you know I have this ability and this gift for a reason and it just keeps coming back and so it's I yeah I guess finding how to create a new way with, within the industry that is healthy. <laughs> I, yeah. I watched a documentary um, with Jim Carrey the other night, and he um, he had auditioned for this role. I don't remember which, which movie it was now. But, oh, it was um, it's, uh, The Eternal Sunshine. Uh, the Eternal mm-hmm. Sunshine movie. I'm not getting the full title. But... Um, he had auditioned, but they weren't going to start filming for another year. And the director looked at him and said, oh, you're so perfect. You're so broken. He's like, stay like this. Don't heal. Stay broken for one year. <laughs> and Jim was like, I can't believe this is the industry that I'm in. Like, stay broken. You're perfect for this role. Um, now, I've been thinking about that a lot. I mean, this is, sorry, this is turning it into the acting. Um, but at what at what cost do we, yeah, I guess this does relate to everyone. At what cost do we uh, stay, we stick with our industry, we stick with our job? At what cost? And and what's mm. it all for? That's um, a good question. Wow. Yeah, because, you know, like all stories, like it, I've been really thinking about that as, as an actor, that, 
these stories, like even, you know, this Me Too campaign, there's all really valuable stories to be told. And they're not always good stories. They're not always, you know, they're a lot of painful stories. And, and at what point, you know, as an actor, like I have to enter that, you know, painful role, um, or, you know, be in an industry. Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's all, I don't know where I'm going with this, but. Well, I think I, I want to jump in here because I think there's, um, something to be said about taking these situations and really transforming them, like using that beautiful alchemy of our creative potential to bring good from this. And so um, the the documentary you were mentioning is Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. And um, this That's idea, uh, yeah, idea of staying imperfect it's like we are imperfect anyway like we're perfectly imperfect and we're whole and so i I like this i I like this conversation of um staying in places where we have this perception of it being different or maybe we can change it or maybe we could whatever but literally having us step into our power irregardless of where we're at so Irregardless of the industry, you and I have had this conversation many, many times, but I want to share one of these stories of sexual shame where literally, this is a true story, <laughs> literally I um, was at an event and we were all together for three or four days and we were honoring, um, you've heard this story before, we were honoring a youth sponsor who was retiring and this man was such a light on my path and I adored him. I, I loved him and he was such this safe harbor for me growing up as a child. Like I could have the worst day ever or, or be full of shame or fear or whatever. And I would see him and I'd be like, all is well, all is well. He was just that light on my path. And so we're honoring this man. I'm an adult and I just stand up to honor him. And all of a sudden, this barrage of my story falls out (laughs) and you were there. And I'm like, oh, my God, I can't believe this stuff is just falling out of my mouth. I can't believe I'm publicly talking about some of this stuff like and, and I didn't go into graphic details at all. You know, I just admitted that I had this story with with sexual assault in my background and um the wife of the man we were honoring came up to me afterwards after I gained my composure again and she said Julie life has given you lots of garbage but God has made beautiful compost with it And I love that story for so many reasons. And we can talk about beautiful compost here in a minute, Quincy, but what I really want to share with the listeners and and for you when I'm hearing you talk is that literally we have this opportunity now to take all of this, no matter what industry we're in, no matter if we work or we don't work, no matter if this is 30 years old and we buckled it up and put it away or no matter if we're healthy and whole or it's never happened to us, this is our time to really make beautiful compost with what's going on in the world and really use that alchemy of who we really are 
as healthy, whole, creative beings to bring healing to our planet. So I, I appreciate you bringing that story, and I, I've not seen that documentary. Now I want to, but um, mm. yeah, how do we really stand for health and wholeness and, and healing amidst everybody's pain and crisis and chaos? Big mm. question. Yeah, it's a really good question. Um, in your synopsis, um, I wrote this down to elevate our collective healing. Um, how do we heal? I think it's just, I think it's just honoring what has been and honoring all that is breaking down, <laughs> mm-hmm. all that is coming out. Mm-hmm. Um, I know, you know, I've even had this thought, I was like, wow, this is, you know, getting out of hand. All these people that are, you know, losing all these, you know, big name people that are coming out and getting fired. Um, mm-hmm. So it's really honoring all of that and loving ourselves through it. You know, I think of the word elevate, elevate our collective healing. It starts with you it starts with me um and loving what we've been through but really honoring what's next and really creating what we want you know creating those boundaries um and I think it's actually a really good conversation you know I I feel like I've been protected all my life as a kid and I think it's a really before Yeah, I think it's an important conversation for kids that really at least warn them, you know, that anything can happen. And it's really like, what do you want? What what are your extremes? Like, what are your boundaries? What is okay and what's not okay? And how do you practice? How do you practice saying no? How do you practice saying that's not okay? And not worry about, you know, if you're called the B word, you know, which is so weird that yeah. that of all things is what we worry about. People thinking that we're, you know, the B word. <laughs> <laughs> and, you that know, is so actually, true, though. Yeah. By being assertive actually, and saying no. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. Being assertive and knowing that that is completely okay. Um I had this thought the other day. I was like, wow. So as a child, a young, young child, you know how kids, sometimes kids' favorite words are no, 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 (laughs) you know, but they're not, you know, as kids, they're not allowed to say no because you're the parent, you're the authority, and you can't say no. You can't talk back to your parents. And I realized that could be a really valuable tool for these kids to learn the word no and not to shame them for saying no, but I, I don't know, I'm not a parent yet, but I think that that would be a really valuable opportunity to not shame them for saying no. The power of no is has been totally taken down. <laughs> mm. You know, it's like we have to practice using it again. Wow, that's powerful. Wow, great, great thought there, Quincy, great. Wow, I'm like, I'm like thinking about your modeling it at the bus stop or the train stop where you literally stood up for another woman, a stranger, 
and stood up. I mean, you put yourself in a vulnerable position. A lot of people would be scared to death to do that. But you assess the situation, you checked it out, and you stood up for that. Now, I'm just imagining, I mean, there's the power of no right there. I'm imagining this woman going home and thinking about you and thinking about you and thinking about you. And then the next day in the classroom, maybe protecting a young child if she was a teacher or the next day in the restaurant, protecting, you know, another person of, of mm. being able to use her own no that, you know, I, I just imagine that carrying forward. What courage, the courage and the power of no. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. You know, there's, there's a <laughs> whole lot more to this this conversation because there's on the other side of the power and the healing and elevating our collective healing and, and really amplifying our individual healing is important. And then the whole conversation of, of intimacy and, and mm -hmm. our love relationships and, you know, and, and really looking at how this cultural, I, I don't want to label it, in the, with the wrong word here, but it's it's been this cultural norm, right? This horrible imbalance and injustice to to women. It's only one, but it's it's an injustice to women that literally we we've been conditioned in a way, and it has affected our sense of self, our sense, our relationship with our bodies our relationship with other women, our relationship with our significant others, like this is really a, a big piece for us to, to really do that healing, to do that deep layers mm. of healing and come back into alignment in that honor and that respect for self, like you said, but respect for our body and, and all of that healing. I think it's so important. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. So you and I are going to be doing some healing, that beautiful compost. I, I didn't mention that I love that term when she said beautiful compost. I literally held on to that phrase for so long and then I began to use it and develop this technique that's really powerful and, and healing in itself. And I've... I've done the beautiful compost in many different ways, online, in person, weekend retreat. And I, I, I love the technique. I love the process, but we're going to, we're going to begin to do some themes and we're going to start with this intimacy and power and this feminine wound theme and be doing this healing. So there, there are resources. There are a lot of resources. And I just want to say, if, if you're interested in that program after the first of the year, um, check out beautifulcompost.com. Quincy and I are going to facilitate. We're going to be your compost companions is, is what mm -hmm. we're going to do. But um, there are lots of other resources. And we're going to put resources right there on that page, a link so that you can find if you're in an emergency situation um, and you need assistance right now, you know, yes, dial 911 type of thing. But if you're looking for other ways of, of where's my safe harbor, where do I turn, how do I get out of a situation, who do I tell, who's safe to talk, there's, there's going to be all kinds of resources there. And our world is creating a lot of other resources. Quincy, I'm going to mention um, both you and I will be involved with um, an initiative called Woman Wise. 
And Women Wise is, is not only for that individual path of healing and, and stepping into our sacred um, role of who we are and, and the wisdom that comes with the feminine and, and what have you, but it's also for some cultural healing and, and working with literally corporations and what have you. So there's, there's, there's a lot more coming down, um, really so many beautiful resources and women wise is, is really committed to the deeper shift that's required for, for the good of the whole of all of us individually and collectively as organizations. So, um, they can check out listeners. You can check out womenwisecenter.org as well. Womenwisecenter, which is spelled C-E-N-T-R-E.org as well. But um, there's right there's two beautiful resources for you individually and collectively. And there's so much more. There's so much more to this healing conversation. And we, like I, I mentioned, we're going to have part two, but um, this whole piece about even just our, our relationship with our body is so important as women. And, and we've, we've done so much to really create a lot of pain and suffering for ourselves and, and how we are as, as women and that need to, to be strong and, and stay put together and appear perfect and yada, yada, yada. So Quince, any last mm-hmm. comments or anything popping off as I was talking about beautiful compost or women wise, anything coming emerging in in your consciousness that you want to make sure that you have an opportunity to say or talk about today um you know i think it might be a whole nother conversation but the one thing that did pop in my mind was um was how i dress nowadays and how i perceive other women when they dress you know quote-unquote sexy or um and i would that's a part that i would really like to heal within myself of putting other women, um, shaming other women for the way that they dress because like that's also not okay. And that's part of my healing to elevate our collective healing. But you're right. The relationship with your body and um, the relationship with how you dress, the relationship Mm -hmm. with... (laughs) I have another story about... I have another story that goes right along with that. I want to jump in here and tell you because... um, after I had you, I worked really hard post-pregnancy to get back into shape and to feel good in my body and to really work out and get fit. And I literally, I was more fit and healthy than I had been since high school. It was like I was feeling really good. I was feeling really good. And I went back to work and I had on this dress. I've shared this with you before. I had on this blue cotton dress and it had little white polka dots and it was like three quarter length sleeves and it was very fitted. It was very fitted. And I um, literally was downstairs at a staffing and we were walking up the stairs and that boss, that one boss that was sexually harassing made a comment about me in that dress when he was behind me walking up the stairs and I was so uncomfortable. And just like you, uh, at that time, I began to dress very differently. I dressed conservative. I, uh, most everybody in my life would say, oh yeah, Julie dressing sexy, sensual. I don't think so. I'm conservative, button up to the neck, cover up the body, hide behind it. And I've really been working on 
that aspect too. That is another conversation. We should have that one, Quince. I think that's an important mm-hmm. conversation. Yeah. yeah. Not wanting to draw attention to ourselves, not wanting to mm-hmm. put out a message that's inviting. Yeah, that's an important mm-hmm. piece. Mm. And then yeah. getting the men's perspective. That's another thing. So we are going to do part two and uh, invite um, Remy, our producer, in to have a, a conversation about this because I think it's important to get the men's perspective of this. I want to leave our listeners with one more quote and I want to have time for it because it's another quote from Melinda. So I'm going to read this now before I say goodbye to you, Quincy, because I think it's a, a beautiful quote and it kind of pulls everything together here. Melinda Gates, she said, We are at last confronting the fact that by staying quiet, we protect an unequal immoral status quo. Isn't that powerful? I'm not done yet, but I'm going to read that again. Staying quiet. By staying quiet, we protect an unequal, immoral status quo. By raising our voices, we protect each other. Each woman, each woman who speaks up about her own experience is making it easier for other women, women to do the same. And because of the strength in our numbers, the institutions that have enabled systemic sexism and discrimination are starting to act, to fire, to expel, to ostracize, to pass laws, to change. Isn't that beautiful? Yeah. By raising our voices, Mm. we protect each other. And that's raising our voices even at a, a train stop when you said, scoot over buddy and give her some space <laughs> how powerful is that voice even it's not wow i'm i'm so proud of you quincy thanks yeah, yeah. That was a- i know it, it's been a journey to yeah this finding my voice you know the strength in my voice knowing that i have it you know it's, it's still a it's a practice and a, and a journey um yeah i really admire you know I admire other women who create firm boundaries and I'm always just um, so impressed by that. And I take lesson in that. And I think it's so important. Yeah. Finding our voice is another one of those healing elements that we're going to work on because it is, it is important. How do we find our voice again and, and how, how really we've been conditioned to have this, Um, history of silence so yeah Mm -hmm. thank you for breaking your silence on the show and coming on and having this conversation with me it's been it's been really important and I really respect and honor you for sharing and being open and and yeah telling a few stories as well as that the train the train station (laughs) story it's it's not always easy to to bring up this topic especially with your mom so thanks you're welcome. Thank you for having me. This is definitely a very important, yeah, I love having the conversation. And if it's only a conversation, like I think there's a lot of healing and um, forward motion in that too, because you discover new things. Yeah. Amen. Absolutely. Yes. So thank you, Quincy. We are going to do part two. And, um, Again, if you are interested in checking out our program after the first of the year, it's too busy to um, 
to really look into that during the holidays. You can find out more at beautifulcompost.com and we will definitely start having a few calls and helping people understand that more. So thank you, thank you, Quincy. And thank you, listeners. You've been listening to The Dr. Julie Show, All Things Connected. Remember, together, we're creating connections for the good of the whole. Until next time, I'm sending you a world of love. Bye for now.